Welcome everyone to tonight's episode of Debt Talk Live. want to welcome everyone here tonight, both regular viewers and new viewers alike. If you are new to our show and want more information about it, please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. And as always, if you haven't already done so, please visit us on YouTube. The Our channel's name is called Walking Dead Now and go ahead and subscribe if you're there right now. Please go ahead and hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. Saz is going to be handling the text chats tonight, and I'll be talking to you guys live on the air. Uh, we have Navith with us on Facebook. Jennifer and John Wesley is also joining us. Sarah Louise. Lindsay Sparks is also with us on Facebook. Gypsy is joining us on YouTube. Let's see, on the Instagram side, we have Miley with us. Abby Jackson is saying hello. Jenny is also with us miss is with us lynn welcome to all you guys just scrolling up the list here edison is giving us a thumbs up cc wheezy is joining us fair is also with us marcello welcome to all you guys scorpion tv has just joined us on youtube as well and on facebook we just got lisa ann and brie nicole welcome guys Hope everyone's enjoying their Sunday evening, uh, what I like to call Walking Dead Sundays. We are getting close. We are two days away from the start of September, and today AMC started their Season 1 Marathon with a whole bunch of extra stuff that we're going to discuss today, some uh, featurettes that have not really been seen before and so on. We'll get to all that in a minute. Uh, welcoming Evelyn Elizabeth with us on Instagram. Welcome, Evelyn. The Walking Dead fan, Coral, has joined us. That's an awesome name. The Walking Dead fan, Coral. <laughs> I love that. Welcome. Juan is also with us on Instagram. Sam is joining us. Juan. Um, so, let's see. Uh, Rogerio is with us on Facebook from Brazil. Welcome, Alejandra is also with us. So, the Walking Dead producers uh, recall how the TV networks were afraid to take on the show. I've described uh, in the past how they pitched this show to a lot of different networks. HBO turned it down, and finally they found a network with enough balls to take it on and it was AMC's best decision. So uh, one of the uh, producers, executive producers on The Walking Dead, Denise uh, Huth said, many networks were reluctant to take on the show at first and were not convinced by the show's premise. It was later picked up by AMC and became their biggest hit to date. In an upcoming interview, which will air on Walking Dead Season 1 Beginnings Marathon on AMC, Huth reflected on the show's beginnings. She said, I first became involved with The Walking Dead way back in 2005. I worked for Frank Darabont, and he told me about this comic book that he found in a comic book store. And he was telling me the story. I remember saying, that's a television show? It just had all the great elements of a serialized drama. It kicked around for about five years before AMC was finally brave enough to say yes. 
and actually put it on the air. It was one of those things that hadn't been done before, she said, adding that the first season sort of broke every rule of what television is supposed to look like. Huth added, I think everybody recognized it was good, but I think they were afraid that this was going to be possibly an over-expensive show. Huth said that many feared the audience wouldn't be there. It was a gamble. We certainly couldn't say to anybody this is going to be a huge hit. We were just praying five people would watch. It's hard to begrudge anybody who said no, but it is satisfying now to look back on it. Uh, Heard also reflected on the first season of AMC, uh, who took it up. This is Gail Ann Heard. Uh, that whole first season just felt like this really cool summer camp that we all got to go and run around Atlanta and dress up, dress people up as zombies. So how cool, you know, was that? And they're absolutely right. The Walking Dead, when it came on in 2010, really set the precedent for a lot of shows that followed in regards to the amount of gore that they show on television now and many other things. I don't know if you guys ever watched the NBC show that lasted like three seasons or so, Hannibal, uh, about Hannibal Lecter from the Silence of the Lambs movies, but the gore on that show was ridiculous. And this was not cable. This was played on NBC uh, at 10 p.m. at night. And I was just like, wow. Yeah, The Walking Dead is the show that set the precedent uh, for TV networks to really start pushing the boundaries on a lot of stuff. And going even back even further, way back into the 90s, another show that set a precedent that I'm sure a lot of you never even heard of in regards to language and partial nudity is one of my favorite shows of all time, and that's NYPD Blue. Uh, so if anyone out there remembers NYPD Blue, which I loved, that also pushed the boundaries, and so did The Walking Dead. And they really took TV to a whole new level. Let's see, Abby Jackson writes, I just finished Fear of the Walking Dead Season 4, and I'm crying. Uh, like I always say, there are no happy endings in the Walking Dead universe. Uh, hey, it's me, is giving us a smiley face. Samperson92 is with us on Instagram, saying hello to everyone. Adams1205 is giving us a thumbs up. Uh, Gypsy writes, it sounds a lot like The X-Files. Yep, another great show right there. Rich is uh, with us on Facebook saying, uh, terrible timing if there's a Walking Dead marathon on right now. Yeah, it's season one. It is going on. It is going on right now. So, yeah, it is season one of The Walking Dead, guys, and it is playing right now. Uh, let's see. Lindsay says, I love your t-shirt. Thank you, Lindsay. Gia Silva writes, uh, oh, she's replying to someone else. Lynn Montenegro is also with us on Facebook. Welcome, Lynn. Summer is also saying, nice shirt, Viz. Thank you, Summer. Uh, 
Uh, Sarah Louise Stocks writes, quick visit, Viz. Work in four hours, so bedtime for me. Oh, thank you for stopping by, Sarah. It's always a pleasure to see you. So, more on these little featurettes that were being shown today on AMC during the season one, the beginnings, Walking Dead marathon. The uh, Walking Dead audition tapes showing Andrew Lincoln and John Berenthal, who played Shane, test for the role of Rick Grimes uh, featured in the uh, Walking Dead season one beginnings. It's today's marathon revisiting the zombie drama's first season. It started at six on AMC, beginning parents all six episodes from the show's premiere season alongside special features, including new interviews with the Walking Dead crew and appearances from celebrity fans. In a special featurette to air during the Frank Darabont-directed series premiere, Days Gone By, the show's casting team reflects on the exhaustive search that saw future co-stars Lincoln and Barenthal audition for The Walking Dead's leading man. They both auditioned to be Rick Grimes. There's not a lot of dialogue in that first pilot episode, so you had to immediately connect with the character and whoever this was going to be, casting director Sherry Thomas says of Days Gone By in the video captured below. The episode follows recently comatose Sheriff Rick Grimes waking up in the zombie apocalypse where he soon encounters survivors Dwayne played by Adrian Colley Turner and Morgan Jones, played, of course, by Lenny James. Rick is desperate to find his wife, Lori, and young son, Carl. Unaware, they fled with Rick's police partner and best friend, Shane Walsh. So there you guys have it. EMIJ is with us on YouTube saying hello, hello. Alejandra saying hello, love you. Thank you for joining us, Alejandra. Uh, let's see, uh, Benja on Instagram is giving us a smiley love face, welcome to all you guys, uh, Tatagon76 is giving us love hearts, Capigal, Capigale77 is also with us, saying, um, saying all I have to say is thank God that Norman plays the, the part of Daryl. A part of Daryl that was not even in the comic books. Just created just for the TV show. And I agree with you. Uh, great pick in Norman Reedus. So, moving on to the next thing, guys. Uh, uh, show Snob uh, did a, an article on Jeffrey Deans Morgan's best acting uh, moments from the season 10 of The Walking Dead. And there's been a lot, Okay. So, the first on one on the list is the season premiere of season 10. Negan's newfound freedom this season is hardly that when he is being constantly watched by Brandon and prohibited from speaking to others. It's obvious that while many still want him dead, others desperately want him to contribute. Uh, the discourse in Alexandria doesn't stop him from connecting with fellow outcast Lydia even after Daryl orders him to stay away from her. This also proves to be the first of many 
hostile confrontations between Negan and Daryl this season. Both of them are looking into Lydia's best interest, which is not surprisingly Daryl's uh, does not view Negan's involvement in that as a positive thing. Jeffrey's portrayal of concern comes off naturally and believable, bordering the line between friend and father. Even if fans dislike Negan, they are drawn into the conversation he has with Lydia, paid, played by Cassidy McClincy, listening to every word she has to say. Now, number two on the list is episode number three of this current season. Over the past couple of seasons, Aaron's character has changed as he began taking on more of an assertive leadership and fatherly role. This doesn't mean that he has healed from his greatest loss and it absolutely shows as he is constantly making Negan feel unwelcomed as possible. At Father Gabriel's command, the two are forced to work together, with Aaron constantly making the situation difficult for Negan, who in turn listens to every order. At first, Negan lets Aaron's rather obvious rage roll off his shoulders, doing as what he was told to avoid conflict with his award-winning smile, but eventually the two go toe-to-toe with words. When Negan states it was, it was Aaron's fault, uh, Eric died, Aaron's response hit Negan in the only place it would hurt. Aaron's comment that Negan failed his wife unravels a lot in a matter of seconds. Jeffrey's ability to switch from the wise-cracking Negan to the stern-faced version who would swing without hesitating is profound. And I love that scene. I don't know how many of you guys remember that scene when Gabriel pairs them up to go out together and Aaron hates Negan. He hasn't forgotten what he's done. And those two square off and uh, Negan actually gets away from him. He gets away from him and uh, goes out and hides in the shed. Aaron stumbles in, unable to see at the moment. And Aaron starts getting surrounded by walkers. But it's Negan that comes in and saves uh, Aaron's life. Uh, you know, Aaron's not very appreciative. He's not willing to forgive and forget just because of that. But, you know, it was a start. It was a nice breaker. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, let's see. Caden is with us on YouTube saying, I feel like Negan would have a scary-ass kid. Uh, EMI writes, I like the way Negan treats Lydia. I think he connects to Lydia as a father or a concerned man to a young troubled kid. And remember, guys, before the, the apocalypse, Negan worked with kids. He was a school gym teacher. So it makes perfect sense. Uh, Dan's Reviews is with us on YouTube. Welcome. Uh, Jennifer on YouTube writes, Peanut butter, meat, jelly. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Next on the list that they have is episode six of season 10. It isn't long after Negan's escape that he first meets Beta and some of the Whisperers with his new Lucille in hand and his classic grin. 
he's ready to join their group. However, this is far from easy as he must pass several tasks, each of them backbreaking grunt work. With each task, he tries to interact with Beta, but fails constantly. Even with Beta's harsh reactions towards him, Negan's confident personality does not falter. As Beta begins to realize that Negan isn't going anywhere, he tries to have him killed, leaving him for dead amongst walkers with barely a weapon to defend himself. Believing Negan to be dead, Beta begins to address Alpha when Negan's unmistakable voice is heard approaching. Tired of having to earn the right to meet Alpha, Negan decides to go all in and meet her himself. If you thought Negan's introduction during the season 6 finale was flawless, Jeffrey outdid himself once again, everything from his walk voice and essence of confidence is present in full force. Alpha's interest and intrigue do not go unnoticed as she stares at him, greets him in a somewhat animal-like manner before accepting him into her group for the first time in a while, Season 7 Negan has returned to the screen. Now, for some of us, that might be a good thing, for other of us, for the other of us, that's bad. Season seven, Negan, was not our favorite, but he did play that part flawlessly. That first time, Alpha uh, greets him, and they're right. It is sort of animalistic the way she does it. If you really look closely at that scene, she sort of like leans into him, like she's almost like sniffing him to see if he's a friend or a foe. Uh, Alpha took on that full force, that Alpha pack leader, you know, head of the herd mentality. And she was, well, not careful enough as to who she let in into the Whisperers group because letting Negan in was ultimately the downfall for Alpha. But that's how convincing he was. Uh, let's see what's going on. X Gamer is joining us on YouTube. Uh, Jennifer on YouTube writes, No one can bring Negan to life like J JDM does. I love JD Morgan. I've been a big fan of him long before he ever became Negan. Way long. I was a fan of his when he was an extant. Uh, uh, his movies. I mean, everything. So let's see, the next episode that they have for him is episode 14. For some time, no one knew who freed Negan from his cell. The big reveal winds up being that it was Carol who freed him with the agreement that he would kill Alpha in exchange for a new start for Negan. Even we knew it wasn't going to be easy for everyone to believe his intentions, especially when it was discovered he was the Whisperers. Truth was that the time he spent locked in a cell gave him the opportunity to rethink his life, wanting the opportunity to start over. Unfortunately for Negan, though, he couldn't escape his past 
as Daryl refused to believe him, keeping Negan's hands tied. Daryl follows him to the spot where Alpha's head was placed on a pike. Unbeknownst to both of them, Beta had seen Alpha's head and taking her with him. With no evidence, Daryl cannot accept Negan's word when out of nowhere they are surrounded by several whisperers. They claim Negan is the new Alpha for having killed the old Alpha. With the tables turned, Daryl is tied up with Negan hovering above him with a gun in hand, but in classic Negan fashion, he turns on the whisperers as, as both he and Daryl murder them all. An action that does not go unnoticed by Daryl, who may now be beginning to forgive and accept him. This scene once again shows how well Jeffrey can work with other actors, especially ones he rarely had scenes with before. Negan barely had any real interaction with Daryl since his escape from the sanctuary seasons prior. So there you guys have it. Uh, just a little outline, just from this season alone, of uh, how brilliant J.D. Morgan is in portraying Negan on The Walking Dead. And he is uh, brilliant. There's no doubt about it. Welcome, Cat. Caden on YouTube writes, I feel like Negan will have a fatherly bond with Lydia. Being honest, she does, she needs it. And I, I completely agree with you, Caden. Uh, Jennifer also writes, great scene. Can't wait to see how Maggie reacts to all of this. Uh, I, it's going to be a different Maggie. We know that. We've discussed that in the past. Uh, so I'm very interested as well. Uh, I mean, I'm sure she's not going to come in all in and with open arms. Oh, you've changed. Come here, you big guy. Give me a hug. No, none of that. Uh, Malik writes, uh, yep, I watched this season because of him and he's gone. Uh, just scrolling through the Instagram chats. Uh, let's see. Just... Let's see, Castro is giving us a thumbs up. A lot of people greeting each other. Uh, Gypsy Road writes, thanks, Viz, for that story. No problem. Lindsay writes, JDM is fantastic on The Walking Dead. He is. Uh, I was worried because the Negan in the comic books was just really foul-mouthed. And I'm like, before he came on, I'm like, how are they going to portray Negan on the screen? But it's all due to some great writing. And, of course, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, that was forgotten about really quickly. The foul language was replaced by his extremely charismatic uh, character, his acting. And just he just naturally slipped into that role. So, What Culture did another article. Uh, this is a different website now. On the 10 stupidest decisions that the Walking Dead characters have made. And it sort of goes hand in hand with the base topic we're going to finish off today on some of the best decisions the Walking Dead characters have made. So, what Culture did a top 10 of the stupidest decisions made by Walking Dead characters. And this is interesting, okay? 
Feel free to chime in if you agree or disagree with this list. Number 10 on the list is going back to season two, and that is bringing Randall back to the farm. While Rick's intentions may have been admirable, you've got to remember that once Randall was brought back to the farm, he was left in a barn, in the dark, blindfolded, and regularly beaten and interrogated by Shane and Daryl. It's hardly like Rick saved him from a fate worse than death. By the end of his time on the show, Randall gets his neck snapped and is left to turn. I agree. That was a bad decision. They brought him back and they gave Shane a victim. He ended up becoming Shane's victim and part of Shane's plot to kill Rick. So definitely cannot say that was a good decision. It's is waving at us on Instagram. Welcome, it's. Uh, let's see. Uh, Angie is with us on Facebook. Love from Canada. Loving the first season marathon. That's excellent. Adelton is also joining us on Facebook from Brazil. Brazil is in the house. All right, number nine on the list. The group... And we, uh, this is very obvious here. Uh, the group never had a rendezvous point after the prison siege. They had a way to get away. And they all expected that they would all have enough time to get into that school bus. Remember the school bus that they had stashed in the back of the prison? So if anything went south, they would all jump onto that school bus and ride off into the sunset together. They never thought of the possibility that things may go sideways so bad that they would be split up. And that decision, if you remember about the bus, Maggie does encounter it as she's looking for um, Glenn and so on. And everyone on that bus who went on that bus died and turned into a zombie so not a great plan but anyway the the article just a little bit here goes on to say in the chaos of the battle there wasn't exactly much time for everyone to group up and leave together meaning everyone split up into small groups but you have to wonder why didn't the group have a rendezvous point sure they might not have expected an attack from an attack from a tank, but it's cr- it's incredibly naive of the group to think that the prison would never fall and only have the one plan, and that being the school bus, which for the people on the school bus did not work out very well at all. So, anyway, uh, Lindsay Sparks writes, yep, bad decision about Randall, it was. Let me go over, just in case I don't want to miss out any of the uh, YouTube chats, because the uh, YouTube chats come in and out. Uh, let's see. Caden writes, it's been a sec since I rewatched. I need to so badly. Jennifer on YouTube writes, starting with Carl getting Dale killed. Caden uh, also writes, number one is going to be Andrea. Uh, Kat writes, Negan is similar to how JDM 
played their character in Rampage. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Jennifer also says agreed. X Gamer writes, spoilers, Ezekiel and Father Gabriel will die. Yes, yes, I believe that to be true as well. It's all theory now, but I don't think Father Gabriel is going to escape the finale. Uh, as far as Ezekiel goes, we know his time is limited on the show. Whether he makes it through the finale or not, I don't think so. I think he is going to go out blazing like the true hero that he is, and he has been since the beginning. Brian is on with us with on YouTube saying they should have brought the farm back. That's where they should have met up. Yeah, but the farm was overrun. It was overrun. It was just probably falling apart at that point. Maybe there were still walkers there. Maybe not. Who knows? But they should have come up with some kind of rendezvous point. Caden uh, writes, I don't want Ezekiel to die, though. Cyborg needs to live, lol. All right, let's go on to this list again. Uh, where were we? Number eight on the list kind of surprised me of the stupidest decisions. They put on number eight, them trying to retrieve the walker well. The walker in the well. Remember that? That walker that got stuck in the farm's well? Uh, they go on to say their idea to hoist him out with a rope wasn't awful, but sending Glenn down to tie it around him was stupidly dangerous, and of course it backfired. Almost killing Glenn, the well walker then proceeds to split in half as they try to lift him out, leading him to his bottom half and a majority of his insides to splash back into the well so it was all for nothing. Caden writes that was pointless. You guys gotta agree though, that was a funny scene. I thought that was amusing. Uh, you know, Marco, our executive producer, doesn't like that scene either. I thought it was a little comic relief. Uh, a bunch of people trying to get this big-ass zombie that's stuck in their water well out. And even if you do succeed and you get him out in one piece... Shit, do you drink that water still? I mean, damn, I don't know about that. They better have some goddamn good filters in place for me to drink it. Uh, Janie Joe is with us on Instagram saying, I'm good too. And she was on AMC like three minutes ago, listening to the first episode of The Walking Dead. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, CC Weezy writes, like T-Dog said, good thing we didn't do nothing stupid like shooting it. <laughs> I remember that. I forgot about that line. I totally remember that now, though. Good thing we didn't do a stupid thing like shooting it. Oh, man. Hold on. I got to refresh this screen here. All right. Let me continue on with the list here. Uh, so let's see what we have next, Okay. Morgan holds Owen prisoner. I think nobody can doubt this. All right, this is season six now. After the wolves attack, this is what got Carol and Morgan into the beef with each other. They started actually throwing blows at one another uh, because Morgan wanted to keep him alive. 
Uh, Carol wanted him dead. They just came in with the just the purpose of butchering everyone in there. Anyway, the article goes on to say the problem was we were now six seasons in and the moral discussions about rights and wrongs of killing people had gotten old. So when Morgan refused to kill Owen, a member of the Raider group called the Wolves, it was just annoying to watch as he put the whole group at risk. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. Jennifer writes, all life is precious. That was, uh, you know, Rick's attitude in season one. That quickly changed. Uh, and then Morgan teetered. Uh, talk about teetering. Morgan, From he's either a killer or a complete pacifist. Rarely in between. Uh, maybe in the recent season of Fear of the Walking Dead, he sort of maybe found his middle ground. But Morgan is either just a flat-out killer or he's a complete pacifist. Right now, he's in a pacifist phase. And if you guys saw that teaser for the new season of Fear the Walking Dead we're going to get, where they're basically saying the old Morgan is dead, there's a new Morgan Jones now. So let's see what kind of new Morgan we get. Number six. All right. You got to leave this. You got to love this one. Just leave this up to Lori to crash a car on an empty road, which is what she did in season two. It's easy to forget now that we're at the end of the 10th season of the show, but back in the day, Laurie was easily the most hated character on the show. I think hated is a little too strong of a word. Her affair with Shane, her shoddy parenting skills, and general attacking of every one of Rick's decisions made her quite a difficult character to love. However, her worst moment has to come during season two, where she somehow managed to crash her car on an empty road. I mean, how do you do that? But she did. It's worth uh, rewinding a bit here. Lori decides to go to look for Rick by herself as he hasn't returned from going to go get Herschel. She tells no one that she's planning on leaving, including her eight-year-old son, and decides to hit the road on her own, and she crashes her car. So, a lot of us were left asking, how the hell do you crash a car on an empty road? But, Lori Grimes managed to do it. (laughs) Uh, Gypsy writes, I didn't hate her character, neither did I. I didn't hate Lori. Uh, She wasn't my number one top favorite. I liked her. I was upset when we lost Lori. I really wanted her to come back. Uh, I was kind of hoping she wasn't dead. And I held out hope there for a while that we would see her coming back. But wasn't meant to be. We lost Lori. And in the comic books, Lori and uh, little Judith died together at the hands of the governor. So... Let's see, next on the list, uh, number five is uh, Andrea shooting Daryl. There's a lot of season two in this list. How many of you guys remember Andrea shooting Daryl in the head and her being proud of herself, thinking that she just took out a walker? (laughs) Andrea was not exempt, and while she would go on to make a series of mistakes, 
that led to her own death in the third season, nothing quite tops the time she almost killed Daryl. Having had uh, more than a rough experience in the forest looking for Sophia, Daryl returned to the farm looking like a walker. Having spotted him from afar, Andrea prepares to shoot him, but is stopped by Shane and Rick, who insist on dealing with themselves, dealing with it themselves. But you know, Andrea, when someone tries to talk some sense into her, it's like talking to a brick wall. Uh, I love Laurie Holden and how she played Andrea. I think she played her perfectly, perfectly. She played Andrea exactly how the character was written to be played on the TV show. Brian writes, I remember. What was the point of that? Uh, Jennifer writes, Dale, uh, we all wanted to shoot Daryl at some point. (laughs) Caden, Andrea was the bad character. Like when she shot him, I was mad. Kat writes, OMG, Andrea annoyed me more than Lori. I'm just annoyed at all the bad decisions Andrea made. I'm annoyed at how stubborn she was. I'm annoyed on how she always thought she was right. And everybody else was wrong. And she would not listen to advice. Good advice. None of that. That's what annoyed me about the character of Andrea. Tracy's with us on Twitter. Uh, St. Morgan is definitely Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Tracy also goes on to say, I really like Laurie. Uh, she looks at the map, hits a zombie, not a great driver. She was trying to be a badass, show off her skills. Gone too soon. Yep, yep, yep. I liked Laurie. You know, I, I did not hate her. Jaden2907 on Instagram writes, I miss Dale as a character. He was a great character. And Demond, the actor who played him, was also a great, is a great actor. So, all right, next on the list. And you got to agree with this too. Beth got herself killed, okay? Number four on the list is Beth tries to kill Dawn. She was saved. All she had to do was just walk over to Rick's group and leave. But she decides right then and there to stab Dawn. While Dawn is holding a gun. Not the brightest of moves on Beth's part. Okay? Anyway, the article goes on to say the hospital arc of season 5 is really quite unpopular due to the pointlessness of it all seeing the group come back to Atlanta just to find and rescue Beth. On the very cusp of doing so, Beth ruins everything by trying to stab Dawn and end up getting shot through the head, making the last three episodes feel like a big waste of time. They went through a lot of shit to try to get her back. And it just got all ruined in an emotional decision that Beth made. Watching the scene where Beth dies will leave you speechless. What was Beth even uh, thinking? There are two groups of people, both with guns, aimed at each other, and you think it's a good idea to try and stab one of the leaders while you're in the middle of it all? 
I got to agree with that. I definitely got to agree with that. Uh, EMI writes, Andrea thought that the governor really loved her, but the governor only uses her to trace Rick's group. The governor is incapable of loving anyone but himself. He did care about his daughter. That was probably the last piece of him that was keeping him partly human. Even as Penny was a walker, that was the name of his daughter. Once she was even put down by Michonne. Uh, yeah, every pit of humanity in the governor just vanish. Victoria says uh, Rick saving Michonne was everything. Uh, let's see, just scrolling through the chats. I have to keep flipping back and forth. So, uh, let's see, K2 is with us, Elaine is with us, Aiden85 is with us on Instagram and waving at us. Uh, Kat on YouTube writes, I don't think she was thinking. Beth had a lot of growing up in some ways. Yeah, I, I agree. She wasn't thinking. If she was thinking, she never would have done that. Uh, number three on the list, the group never mentions the CDC to anyone. And it is ironic. After season two, where Rick reveals the secret that Jenner told him, the CDC is never really mentioned again and what they learned. Uh, the first major change from the comics was making the group visit the CDC in the hopes of finding some answers regarding the virus and possibly even some form of vaccine or cure. Sadly, the group found out the depressing truth, there is no cure. There is no one working on one and there is nothing left but those surviving on their own. This is a huge revelation that is never brought up again past the second season, which has to be one of the most infuriating things the show has ever done. The issue first cropped up in the third season where Andrea helps Milton conduct experiments on the dead to see if they retain any of their old selves, despite the fact that she knows they do not. Instead, she just lets Milton hopelessly work away. Even worse is during season five when the group meet Eugene and company and are told he needs to get to Washington to work on a cure. The group are a little bit skeptical, but ultimately believe him. Now, two, one main thing about that. Andrea was not with the group when rick reveals the secret all right that she got split up when the farm fell that's how we meet michonne that's how she meets michonne she was not present when rick reveals the secret to everybody and Nadri and andrea is assumed dead for the longest time so i don't know if you could really blame her for the whole milton thing and as far as the whole eugene thing believing him well, you know, they you can sort of pass that along as saying that Jenner did not know everything about the, the, the virus or if there was a cure or if there was some other government agency that might have had something that Eugene might have known about. So at that point, if there is even a slightest glimpse of hope of defeating this virus 
I will give him a pass on believing Eugene and going for it. I'd be looking for a little bit of hope too in a world where there is no hope left. So, anyway. Uh, number two on the list. Rick sacrificing himself. Of all the ways we have uh, him leave, the writers decided that he should sacrifice himself and somehow survive a huge fireball with nothing but a, a few scratches and bruises. The thing is, he didn't even have to sacrifice himself. He had more than scratches and bruises. Yeah, maybe from the explosion, but he had a big hole in his left side from being impaled by rebar. Anyway, yes, the bridge was being used by a horde of walkers that would definitely cause problems for all the communities, but we saw in Season 6 that if the group can coordinate well enough, they can take on any horde quite efficiently. So I'm a sort of a mixed bag on that one, you know? Uh... The one on Instagram says, I literally almost cried. Uh, Abby Jackson also writes, I cried as well. Gypsy on YouTube writes, it's just not about believing him. It's a small chance of hope, and that's worth fighting for. Exactly. Jennifer writes, I miss Rick. We all miss Rick. And the number one thing on the list, guys, of... Uh, stupidest character decisions i guess is rick doesn't tell everyone they are infected i guess this goes hand in hand with what number two was many theorized that perhaps jenner had found out laurie was pregnant through the testing he had done but this turned out to be wrong yeah i doubt he was testing her hcg levels anyway instead jenner had told rick that everyone was infected. No matter how you die, you would return as a walker. Rick then decided to hold on to this information for the entirety of season two, even though it's crucial information that the whole group deserved to know. And we did discuss this quite recently, that if you were in his position and you had this information that everyone's infected, and when you die, you're going to come back as a zombie, walker, whatever. Would you tell everyone? Uh, you're the leader of a group. You want there to still be hope. You want your group to have hope and continue fighting on. It's not as simple as saying, oh, he should have just told everybody. I believe Rick Grimes made the best decision at the moment that he thought was right. He made the decision that at that moment he felt was the right decision. I can't really fault him for that. Uh, the one who really got the most upset at him was Carol, even though she was still a little mousy Carol and never voiced it to him in his face. What she did instead was turn to Daryl and bitch to Daryl about Rick and how he's going to get everyone killed. And that's when Daryl tells Carol, nah, Rick's done all right by me. This is the end of season two that we're talking about. Jaden on Instagram writes, if Lori had a miscarriage, uh, would have Judith turned inside her? 
Well, we saw that in the remake of uh, Dawn of the Dead, which was a great remake. Of the Dead movies, the remake of Dawn of the Dead uh, with Ring Rhymes was really good. There was a woman who was pregnant in the mall. She was in bit. She was infected. And yeah, the ba- she died. She turned. And the baby inside her turned as well. Uh, and it got delivered as a walker, as a zombie. If you guys haven't seen the remake of Dawn of the Dead and you ever asked yourself the question about pregnancies and zombie viruses and what happens to the babies, watch the remake of Dawn of the Dead. It's a really good movie. For a remake, it's a really good movie. Uh, Let's see. Gypsy goes on to say, hope is everything. Uh, Gypsy also says, Viz, you and I could talk about hope for a whole hour oh yeah emij writes maybe rick sacrificed himself on that bridge to save the whole group from tons of walkers exactly he did that group that bridge even daryl said it as well the their next stop was hilltop and i believe that horde of walkers was bigger than the the whisperer heard that alpha brought to hilltop that was trouble that was trouble if they would all made it across that bridge and uh rick came to the realization just before he blew it up as he the show started with him looking for his family and the last time we're going to see him on on the tv show is him looking for his family again and finally coming up with the realization that his family is right there. His family has always been right there. You know? And uh, that was a great moment when he came to that realization. So let me see how much time we have left. Jeez. Okay, luckily we didn't have that much time, that much left to go from yesterday's topic, which was uh, uh, good decisions that the characters on The Walking Dead have made. We left off with the next character being Glenn, okay? Now, Glenn saving Rick when Rick was hiding in the tank and surrounded by walkers. At this point, Glenn had no idea who Rick was uh, was or was, was about, for that matter. He could have left him there and ignored him, but he made the decision to save his ass. Now, I've got a question for you guys. If Glenn did not save Rick which meant that they wouldn't have met, uh, would this have changed the entire future of every single one of the characters on the show? In my opinion, absolutely. Uh, if you guys think differently, please let me know. Rick was about to kill himself in that tank. So Rick is gone. Let's presume Glenn does not reach out to him. Rick blows his brains out in the tank. That's Beginning and end of Rick Grimes all in one episode. Uh, and then, oh my God, Shane would be the, the leader. And we talked about this recently as well. If Shane was the leader, they never would have made it as far as they did. Uh, he would have kept making emotional decisions that eventually would have most definitely gotten everyone killed. Uh, without a doubt. Uh, so anyway... Uh, let's see, uh, Glenn saving Rick was a big game changer for Glenn and for the rest of the characters in the group 
as well as those that they meet along the way. Now, would Glenn have met Maggie if he didn't meet Rick first? Maybe not, because Shane would have taken them straight to Fort Benning instead of the CDC. And this just goes to talk about the whole sequence of events that landed the group onto the farm, where we met Maggie, Herschel, Beth, and the rest of them. Now, speaking of Maggie, let's talk about her best decisions. Something that crossed my mind is the choice she made in not killing Negan. She had every reason in the world to kill Negan and the best opportunity to do it. Michonne let her through. Rick, I'm sorry, Daryl had uh, gave her his full support. The only one that didn't want her to do it was Rick. It took a lot of strength and humanity for Maggie not to go through with it. This was a decision only she could make on her own no one else had the right to make it for her. By Maggie sparing him, Negan has gone on to do some redeemable things. He killed Alpha. He saved Lydia. He has also saved Aaron from the Walkers. Uh, when we had that, we just talked about this earlier on in the show. When uh, Aaron lost his eyesight due to an allergic reaction. And I also believe Negan will do more great things as the show returns, and I think he's going to be one of the big heroes in this finale that we're going to get in a little over four weeks. In four weeks from... No, five weeks from today. Uh, so, moving on to the final character that we're going to be discussing in this topic is uh, Daryl's best decisions. When Daryl reunited with Merle after they escaped Woodbury, he was faced with the choice of heading off with Merle and rejoining or rejoining with the group. At this point, Daryl was already considered uh, part of the family, and which was Rick's group. This made things difficult for Daryl because the only real family he had left was his brother Merle. And before the apocalypse, it was just Daryl and his brother Merle. They had no one else they were close to or could count on. Merle did eventually decide to take his chances and follow his younger brother, not really knowing whether he'd be accepted into the group or not. It wasn't like Merle had a whole bunch of options. The governor had pretty much turned on him, so it was either Merle just went out on his own or he followed Daryl and he chose to follow Daryl. If Daryl decided that he and Merle were going to run off into the sunset together, would either of them have survived this long? We don't know. Would they have run into the saviors and joined them instead? I would say no. They were in Georgia when this happened. The whole saviors thing happens in Virginia. Uh, I don't see Daryl and Merle migrating too far out of Georgia. That's just my opinion. I think they would have stayed in the vicinity of where they were. Probably they know how to live off the land. They would have gone up a mountain or something, lived off the land. Nobody probably would have bothered them, but there's no story in that. And what would have happened to Rick and his group? Would they have come this far without Daryl? No. I don't think so. So, there you guys have it. Uh, those are the characters that we picked 
to discuss some of the good decisions that we that they made also leave it up to you guys to chime in on the conversation as well cat writes rick was still processing the information himself and was just waiting for the right time to reveal it uh gypsy writes great show tonight love the conversation thank you so much gypsy jennifer says i think uh, rick would have been a bad guy like in negan's group all right that's interesting shane would have had shane would have been a horrible leader i agree a lot of us agree on that one victoria uh says maybe merle had shot glenn on that roof you're right maybe he did uh, jennifer also says she finally saw him being alive was more of a punishment he wanted to be dead to be with lucille Jennifer is talking about Maggie in regards to Negan. And she even tells him she came here to kill Negan. The Negan that she remembered. And the person she saw in that cell who was just gone, wanted to be dead, really thought he did not deserve to be alive anymore. Uh, that's not the person she went in there trying to kill. So, she was satisfied with the punishment he was getting already. Uh, finally, EMI writes, I like Merle's character, the way he survived from the rooftop, from the walkers. He did what he had to do. He cut off his own uh, his hand to survive or else it would have been lights out. Anyway, guys, let me check on the time here. We are out of time. So, that worked out perfectly and as far as timing goes. Angie on Facebook writes, I think everyone should have been told. How do you protect your family if they don't know that they're all infected? Lindsay Sparks writes, great show. Uh, John, Jennifer and John Wesley saying goodnight to everyone. As I'm going to say goodnight to you guys. You guys have been fabulous tonight. I really, truly enjoyed our conversation tonight. It was wonderful. Please visit our website, deadtalklive.com. Uh, there's a whole bunch of good stuff in there. Also, please go to our YouTube channel, which is called Walking Dead Now, and subscribe if you have not yet done so. If you're there right now, please go ahead and hit the thumbs up button. We'll be back on the air again tomorrow night, guys, at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. As always, stay safe, take care, and until then, guys, stay walking.